this, this, this one's on, um, a little bit like David going to fight Goliath, and he tries on Saul's armor, and that would be this, and he says, that just doesn't fit. So I'm going to put this away, and I'm just going to use the microphone. Good morning. There we go. Um, so today I'm going to talk with you guys about personal devotion. So this is going to be part of a three-part series that Pastor Jason will be talking about small groups, and then he'll be also talking about church fellowship. And this is all in the sense of how do we grow as Christians? Um, what are the steps that take us to growing in our relationship with Jesus? So today we're going to talk about personal devotion, and that's our personal relationship with Jesus, what we do every day to connect with him. So I thought, I'm going to look and see what is the actual definition of devotion. And the Oxford Dictionary did not let me down. Look at this. Devotion is love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. And so I loved this definition because of the word person. Because you know who I thought of. It was Jesus. And that is exactly what personal, our personal devotion life is. It's developing this love, loyalty, and enthusiasm for Jesus and for who he is and what he does in this world and what he's doing in our lives. So then I read the next definition, because you can't just look at one, and it said religious worship or observance. And the third one was prayers or religious observance. And these definitions did not make me feel very excited. In fact, observance actually means the action or practice of fulfilling the requirements of the law. And so it just sort of made me feel like sad or like not excited, not like the first one did. But when I thought about it, I realized you actually need two and three if you want to get to one. And so I looked at, you probably are familiar with this passage. It comes from the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And this is what he says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I love that picture of someone just running aimlessly. Can you imagine doing a marathon like zigzag? I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I like that because staying connected to Jesus takes work. It is discipline. The Apostle Paul knew this, and just as physical training builds our strength and health over time, spiritual disciplines also build our spiritual strength and health as they bring us closer to him. Now, I'm sure some of you have actually experienced physical training like this. Um, who here has experienced something like that? Growing and, okay, Tracy, CrossFit, right? So tell us about that journey. There you go. Good stuff. And anyone who has excelled in a sport or, the, or in music knows that discipline is part of what makes us excel in these things. So we're going to look at spiritual disciplines. I'm just going to take a look at a few just to kind of give you a couple of practical ones to maybe take home with you. Why do we need these practices? So what makes it hard to stay connected to Jesus in our world? What takes our mind off of him? So I had an interesting experience. I actually looked at this guy. His name is Bernie Krause. 
He's a soundscape ecologist. I bet you don't know what that is. I didn't either. So what this guy does is he goes into nature and he takes recordings of nature. So like recordings of like birds singing and insects and he records them and then I think he actually, they use them in movies and things like that. But what's really interesting is that he records them so that they don't have any extra noise in them, like human caused noise. So like cars driving by or an airplane going through like the, uh, he doesn't want those kind of sounds in there. He wants it just to be nature sounds. So in 1968, it took him 10 hours to record one hour of uninterrupted nature sounds. Now, I want to get you guys to guess how many hours do you think it takes him today to record one hour of uninterrupted nature sounds? Any guesses? Uh, what's that? A hundred. More. More. You guys really got to like up it. Come on. Come on, kids. What do you guys think? Yes. One million. Okay. Well, maybe that was a little over. Okay. So. Today it takes over 2,000 hours, over 2,000 hours to get one hour of uninterrupted um, sound of nature. So I want to just ask you guys, like, it's, I think that what this comes down to is we live in a really noise-filled, distraction-filled world, now maybe more than ever. And so I just want to ask you guys, and I want to hear from all different age groups, what are the distractions in your life? So a distraction is a thing that prevents someone from giving their full attention to something else. What is the noise? What are the distractions that keep you from giving your full attention to Jesus? What distractions are in life? Oh my goodness, look at this. Yes. Will my cord reach? Maybe I can even mic you. Um, maybe like my brother or like trying to do like jobs or something. Really plan-filled day. Yeah, like a busy schedule. Totally. Technology. Whoa, technology. Actually, you know what? Like I was going to say, there's distraction in a small 100 centimeters squared, right? Like right there. So yes, technology. Any other things? Let's hear from other age groups. We've got technology. We've got busy schedule. Yes. Oh, children. <laughs> yeah, I got some of those. Yeah, okay. Yep. Actually, yesterday I had to stop the car coming back from Ainsworth and tell the three children fighting in the back seat that this is called distracted driving. I don't need a cell phone. I just have three kids yelling in the back seat. So any other things? What kinds of distractions keep you from giving your full attention to Jesus? Yes. Flowers. How so? Oh, okay. You know, that could be a good distraction, actually, when you think about who made them. That's cool. I love that story. What other things? How about some older people? Housekeeping. Oh, I know. Never on top of it. Yes. Political campaigns. Political campaigns. You know, there's actually visual noise that we experience this time of year, right? From all the signs that are there distracting. Any other things? Yes. Telephone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It can, like, change the whole direction of your day, right? Any others? Yeah. Your friend, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes friends can be a distraction, right? Sometimes a good one, and sometimes maybe a not-so-good one. So, yeah. Any other things? Sorry, what's that? Work, yeah. No, for sure. Sometimes, again, a good distraction, and sometimes a not-so-good distraction. Um, so, I just wanted to say, in the midst of all these distractions, 
Well, actually, here, I was actually, I forgot. I was going to read you a little passage from the screw tape letters. Has anyone ever heard of it? It's by C.S. Lewis. He wrote it in 1942, and it was a letter from, it's kind of an odd uh, premise, but it's a letter from a senior demon to his underling to tell him how to help get Christians off the path, how to keep them distracted, how to lead them on the road to hell rather than the road to heaven. So I thought it was just very interesting when you read what he says. Now I'm going to just say, when it says enemy here, it actually means God. So you have to flip your your thinking. This is a, a demon writing how to distract a Christian. He says, you will say that these are all very small sins, and doubtless, like all young tempters, you're anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. So how much you separate from God. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. But um, sins may, like when, when they say sins here, I just want to say it's, it's distractions. And in and, of, in and of themselves, they might not be bad things like a friend or work, those are good things. But I think what ha- can happen is that if we let these things all come into our world and we don't keep our focus where it should be, we get distracted from our main root, and that is God. And so in the midst of all these distractions, how do we stay rooted in Jesus? How do we define ourselves radically as one beloved by God? This is the true self all other identity is illusion. I love Brennan Manning's Abba's Child because it talks about finding our identity in Jesus and finding ourselves to be so beloved and letting that be the guide in our life, not all the distractions like other people's expectations or the world's expectations or the distractions around us. So how do we stay rooted that way? So I'm going to look at just a few practical ideas and I'm actually going to try to get some of you to practice well, we're going to practice silence, actually, a little bit. And also, I'm just going to ask you for parts that, if you please, tell, tell us. Because all of you have been on journeys with Jesus. We want to hear from you and learn from each other about ways that we have grown in our relationship with Jesus. Or stories to encourage each other in that. So first, we're going to look at silence. Silence, they say that groups of people can only handle like 15 seconds of silence. I'm someone that can probably handle five, and so this one has been a tricky one for me to learn. Um, But I love the feeling I have when I actually engage in silence. Silence is a tough thing to find in our world, which we just looked at, right? When you think about Bernie Krause and how it takes him 2,000 hours to get one hour of uninterrupted um, sound of nature. I love also that Jesus, he actually often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And you'll find that he often does that after he does like big things. Like he fed the 4,000, then he went off by himself. He fed the 5,000, and he went off by himself. I try to use that after dinner. I've just fed six. Can I please go off by myself? Doesn't always work. Anyway, Jesus often did this because he knew that he needed to be recharged. He needed to reconnect with his father. And I think that that example and that picture for us is something we need to remember. There's something about being by ourselves with Jesus in quiet that allows us to have a deeper connection with God. Now, another passage that I love about silence comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. And it's the story of Elijah 
And I love, one of my favorite Old Testament stories is Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how they build two altars and Elijah says, I'm going to show you who the true God is. And so they have two altars and the prophets of Baal dance around one altar and they say, Baal, Baal, rain down fire. And Baal doesn't answer. And then on Elijah's altar, he pours water on it like three times. And then he just says, God, you show them who's boss. And God lights the altar. It's a beautiful picture, I think, of God showing up and showing his power. So anyway, after that, uh, Jezebel, the queen, was not too happy about all that. And so she actually wanted to kill Elijah. And so she sent a messenger to him and said, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. So Elijah's feeling probably a little bit emotionally drained from that huge experience of going up against the prophets of Baal. Plus he has somebody who's out to kill him. So he's feeling emotionally drained, tired. And so he goes off. And I love this picture of God coming to him. Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. I love that picture. I love where God shows up. I also love that here, this is the NIV, it says low whisper, but they say when you look at the actual literal Hebrew translation, and in my ESV, my English standard, it actually translates low whisper to thin silence. Or if you look in like the new revised standard version, it's sheer silence. So God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. God was in the sound of sheer silence. So silence can be hard. Silence requires us to listen, not to talk. It requires us to let go, to give up, to be with ourselves and to accept ourselves. Silence requires us to open up and listen to God. It reminds us that we are not in control. Silence is probably also one of the most challenging and least practiced among Christians today. Most of us fear silence because we're so used to a world filled with noise. So what I'm going to have us do today is actually practice silence. So we're going to do it. We're going to see how we all do, but do your best. I know this might be challenging for some of us who have more ants in our pants than others, but I think we can do it. And so um, I'm going to lead, just have these slides up here. Um, for the first 30 seconds, I'm just going to have the slide. And I just want you to just experience the silence. There's going to be some Bible verses that come through, and there'll be a couple of questions for you to reflect on to kind of guide your thoughts. Um, yeah, and I just want to use this as a time to connect with God. So, here we go.
Okay, so that was about, does anyone actually want to guess? How long do you think it was? A minute and a half? Two minutes? Three minutes. Yeah, it was like about two and a half. So, two and a half, three. So, sometimes I think like five seconds feels like 35 seconds. <laughs> it just seems to go on and on. But I encourage you, that's one of the practices I want to encourage you to try, is just taking two minutes to sit with Jesus, to be open to hear him. Um, two minutes to reflect on a psalm or his, his word, um, to try to build that into your life. And one of the ways to, we can build that into our life is something called The Daily Office, uh, a book that I read last year, and I could just keep rereading it. I loved it so much. It was called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Tremendous book. And uh, talks a lot about um, creating a spirituality that is healthy. One of the things he says in there is, Today we teach young Christians, eager to develop their relationship with God, to have devotions for a quiet time. Normally, this consists of 10 to 30 minutes a day spent reading the Bible, praying, and perhaps reading something from a devotional book. Along with church on Sundays and perhaps involvement in a small group, we hope that will enable them to withstand the blizzard swirling around them. To me, the blizzard is the noise and the distractions. It won't. And I think that this is a fascinating, you could say it's a depressing thing to say, but I think it's true, because in my own personal life, I think when I look at my journey, um, I did, I tried so hard all the time when I was younger to have those morning devotions, and then I'd fall off the wagon, I'd start doing it again. But the thing is, is that you can start in the morning, but then by like 9 o'clock a.m., you've forgotten already. And so one of the things that he talks about there, actually first I'll just mention this, um, Paul calls us to pray continually in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Now, he isn't saying that we should pray all the time and nothing else, um, but he is actually saying that he wants us, it's, it's a verse that speaks of persistence and consistency. We, he wants us to pray continually, to always have our mind recognizing that what we see is not really all that there is, that there is something else that's bigger and greater, that we are connected all the time to Jesus. So, the daily office is actually an old Christian tradition of stopping at set times of the day to just be with God. Um, this is something St. Benedict, the monk, he, I think in 525, he had developed eight times during the day that the people in the monastery, the monks, would stop and spend time with Jesus. So now he had eight times, and some of them were like in the middle of the night. And that's not necessarily what I'm saying that is a good idea here, especially for those of us who have children we want to sleep. Um, but what it is is setting aside time. Um, it's setting aside time, certain times during the day, that we stop, even just for a minute or two minutes, and recognize that we are in the presence of God always. And so it might be that at 8 in the morning you do it, and then it might be at noon you do it, and then it might be at 5 o'clock you do it. Um, it's up to you to decide how often you want to do it, but just to make sure that you are praying continually, that you're consistently showing up and remembering who you are and whose you are. When the daily office is practiced consistently, it can eliminate the division of the sacred and the secular in our life. So that kind of way we live where we are like, well, now I'm in church, but now I'm going to leave, and now I'm just living my life and not thinking about Jesus. It's a way of trying to meld Jesus into your everyday life. So the practice of the daily office, I've tried it, 
and I'm going to, lest you think I'm so great and wonderful, I really suck at it. It is a very hard thing to do. And for me, the hardest part of it is the actual stopping. So noon will come, and I'll be like, ah, I can just get one more thing done. I'm sure I can, you know, or, or uh, I'll just do it in 10 minutes. And so that's the problem. It's the stopping. And I think it's interesting because every time I don't stop, what I'm actually saying to God is, I can get more done than you can. Um, I'm, I'm not dispensable here. Like, you need me operating on your behalf. I'm not giving him the glory. I'm not saying, actually, he's going to get things done whether I'm going or not. And I just want to be in his presence and remember who I am as his child. So I challenge you guys to try that during your week to see if you can build something like that into your day. Now, the third one I'm going to talk about is memorizing scripture. This is something, a practice that I've found to be really helpful, especially in a world where we're bombarded by noise and distractions and lies that come at us about who we are. So, um, mind is a battlefield. And I really liked this picture that Beth Moore gave in her Breaking Free uh, Bible study. She calls it wallpapering your mind. That's why I have the wallpaper there. Um, and I just thought it was really neat because she said, sometimes in our mind we have lies. Actually, oftentimes there's lies that are wallpapered all over our, our, our minds. And so it's taking those lies off the wall and putting up instead God's truth. And one thing she says that I think is really interesting is she says you can remove the lies, but if you don't put up God's truth, if you don't re-wallpaper, something else will go in there. And so this is where I think the practice of memorizing scripture is so helpful because it reminds us, it draws us back to God's truth and what that means in our life. Um, I also think that uh, you can really see how Jesus used God's word and his memorization of it when he was tempted by Satan. So in the temptation, in Matthew 4, we have Jesus, or Satan says something, and then Jesus responds. So Satan says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus responds out of Deuteronomy, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down off this high place. And Jesus responds, do not put the Lord your God to the test. These are like straight out of the Old Testament. All that Satan says, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus responds, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And I love it because for every one of these, Jesus would say, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So the, Jesus shows us this is the way that we counteract those lies that come to us. So I wanted to ask you guys um, about memorizing scripture. I know some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Some of you are just new. Um, how has memorizing scripture impacted you? Does anyone have a story of a time where scripture just comes? Because that's the other thing. When we hide scripture in our heart, it comes to us in those times when we really need it. Um, those times when we're maybe in a storm, um, a tough time in life, that those are the encouraging times. Does anyone have a story they'd like to share? Or does anyone have a scripture they've memorized that they'd like to share. I tried to get Eliana to show us that she knows the 23rd Psalm, but she's not going to do it for you. <laughs> oh, Dan, you have a story? So I, I was going through the 
That's cool. It was hidden in your heart. Yeah. I think that's cool. Does anyone else have a story? Yeah. That is a powerful verse. Just the comfort that comes from that. Hey, when I hear that, that's cool. Anybody else? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> sure, because God can speak through those moments too. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing those stories. I have so many myself. Um, so many times where I've heard things like, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you. <laughs> that one is a good one. Yeah, it's just a good one to come back to for myself. And so often I feel Jesus speaking those words into me. Um, and saying that his peace is my peace. It's beautiful. So the last one is just, I'm going to talk about worship music. This is a very easy, little, simple one, but I have found this practice to be so helpful, again, in a life that's filled, that's busy and filled with distractions. Um, I love, again, that Jesus did this too. This is, comes from Matthew 26. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, if you know where Matthew 26 sits, this verse sits just before everything that's going to happen to Jesus, like in the Garden of Gethsemane, the crucifixion. So just before he's going out to be betrayed, um, to die, this is what he does. He sings a hymn. And I think that's a beautiful picture to us. Um, the simple practice of singing God's truth can, anchor, can be an anchor that draws us back into our true identity as people beloved by God. And that can look in lots of different ways. It can be you singing. It can be you singing in the car. It is me. My children love it. So, um, it can be you turning it on while you're making dinner. It can be you putting it on to while you do homework, just in the background. Um, these are the things that anchor us because those words are coming into our minds and they're filling us with true knowledge and anchoring us in who we are in Jesus. So... Um, Here's my question for you. This week, how can you stay rooted in Jesus amidst the distractions of life? How can you work on that devotion, that developing a love and loyalty to the person of Jesus? Can it be silence? Can it be 
creating some kind of daily office into your life, stopping throughout the day to be with Jesus? Is it memorizing scripture or worshiping God through music, listening or singing? Um, maybe it, there's other spiritual practices that you can do. We could go on and on and on. There's so many different things we could do. Um, Jason has talked about fasting before, study, confession, prayer, journaling, all these things that draw us closer to Jesus. What is the thing that you are going to do to uh, do in your life this week? What can you start now? And just to give us a little bit of accountability, I'm going to actually ask you to turn to the person next to you and tell them. You could take, first, we're going to take just a minute to think about it a little bit, pray about it, be silent. And then I want you guys to turn to the person next to you and say, this is something I'd like to try. And I just want to say, you might try it, and it might not work for you. And that's the way that spiritual disciplines, uh, you have to find the things that are going to work for you in your relationship with Jesus and drawing you closer to him. So I'll give you just a minute to think about it. And then I want you to turn to the person next to you. they didn't see, but I'm like, yeah, worry, anxiety, yeah. like, thinking about things coming up, yeah, like, yeah, exactly, yeah, day-to-day, Monday, totally, stuff. yeah, exactly, so, Raymond said to me the other day, and this was, in very, it was actually very common, he said, yes, we're all going to die, <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't need to get it all done, there's truth for that, right, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, I know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> I think you